Hello, I'm Zoe Duff, and this is Don't Say Maybe, Episode 2. We all have dreams and plans for what we'd like to achieve in our lives. Frequently, life gets in the way, and we find obstacles that slow us down or completely derail our hopes. We say, oh, maybe, someday, if things change. Some people don't see obstacles, they see challenges, and they find a way around, over, or through things that stop most of us. This podcast is about finding those people who have been successful in several areas of their lives. In this episode, we'll chat with one such person. Today we are chatting with an artist, broadcaster, actor, and writer while he's appearing at Indigo Mayfair and signing his books. His novel, Road Without End, and its sequel, Just Outside of Hope, are very popular reads. His photojournal, Lost History, that documents Vancouver street art in the mid-1980s, is fascinating. Sharing our journeys, queer elders tell their stories, is in the 2018 released anthology that he edited and mentored contributing authors for Alexandra House in Surrey. Don't Say Maybe catches up with Ron Kearse at Indigo Mayfair. Hi, Ron. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Your books are in uh, several independent bookstores across Canada, and so this book signing thing is not a new experience for you, but how does it feel to be here in a major chain store like Indigo and have your books on the shelves with books by your favorite, Anne Rice? It's, it's, it's almost surreal. It, I feel like I'm living a dream. It's, um, um, I, it's amazing. I, I, when I started this journey um, in, in writing, um, even though you, you remain hopeful that it would get to this point, you never quite believe it, and then suddenly it happens. And it's, um, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just an amazing experience just to be here and, and see how people react to, your, to, to my books, and, um, and they actually buy them, <laughs> which is fantastic. And you get to talk to them about what you're doing, and yeah, it's great. Awesome. Uh, was uh, writing an early goal or something you found later in life? You know, when I was a when I was a kid, um, it, 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 I, I want to say I, I found it later in life. But when I was a kid, when I think about it, I used to love um, when I was in elementary school English composition. So where we had to write stories, and I always excelled, and I always had um, the teachers write things on. Oh, give me more! I like this. You know, like you've got a great imagination. Yeah. So. Um, but um, yeah, it wasn't. And I remember when I was also into my teen years. Um, whenever I would be emotional or, or have things that I wanted to say, I'd always write them down. And uh, so I always um, had uh, so that they were always there. I wouldn't necessarily read it later, but I always found that I was writing things, my emotions, everything like that. So. So I guess it's always been there. I just never really acknowledged it until a bit later in life, really, I guess is the answer. <laughs> what about photography? Photography, I didn't, um, I didn't even think about photography until I got into college in the 1970s. Um, and part, I was taking a broadcasting course at Southern Alberta Institute of Technology in Calgary. And part of the program was um, taking photography black and white photography darkroom techniques and we had to take that uh, because television and film was also part of the course and we had to learn to set up shots and stuff like that so so as I was taking the course I realized oh I really like this and um, and I, I found it fun just to 
um, play with it and set up shots and compose scenarios, that type of thing. So, so yeah, so from about the time I was about uh, 18 is about when I really took an interest in photography. What uh, barriers or obstacles have you encountered along the way? I think one of the biggest, um, the, the biggest barrier for me as, as a writer is um, getting, feeling overwhelmed or procrastination. I really should write, but I've got other things to do today. Or I really, um, yeah, I really need to get these things down, but um, um, yeah, I, I find other distractions, you know. So, and I think that's the um, kind of the biggest challenge for me as a writer. Um, and to, to get over that, I, I find that sometimes I have to force myself. See, I'm... I'm um, I consider myself, I call myself a coffee shop writer. So if I'm staying at home, um, I won't get anything done. In order, I, I find I work the best if I take the laptop, go out to a coffee shop or the library or something like that, things where there's other people around, and that's where I write the best. I, I, I don't know, it seems like I feed off all this energy, the music in the background, the chatter and stuff like that. I just find I work better like that. So, do you have a specific uh, time frame that you do that sort of every day, or just sort of when the news gets you? I've been doing it late because I'm writing uh, uh, the third novel in my trilogy. I've been trying to get out at least two hours a day to do that, and um, uh, nothing is more exhilarating than having an empty page and then find out like. Four hours have gone by, and you've almost finished an entire chapter. Like, whoa, <laughs> that, that's amazing. I th- that just happened earlier this week for me well, with this new book that I'm writing. So, Does the muse get you, and then you have to go out? Or are you there already, and then you just sort of make yourself write? Well, well for example, this, the, this particular day when I ended up writing most of the chapter, I, I thought, well, I, I got to write... Um, something about a particular character within the book and I ended up writing not about that character but about another character but it gave a good history about the main character and why he is the way he is so uh, so that really was exhilarating because it gave a good background on who he is so and it was surprising too I didn't expect that <laughs> uh, what tips do you have or secret techniques for getting a project done. Obviously, making yourself go out is one of them. Ma- make myself go out is one of them. Um, yeah, it's um, it can be really tough sometimes. Uh, but I find that, um, for example, um, if I, I, I try to always bring a little notebook and pen with me wherever I if I go walking or something like that, and or I'll hear a passing conversation or stuff I jot down. That, in turn, inspires me. I got that down, and now I've thought of something else uh, So I, uh, to write, so uh, away I go, and before I know it, I've got a couple of pages written. So, so I, I, I guess the, just the act of, of, of taking uh, a pen and little pa- a little pad with me to, to write things down is, uh, is a good source of inspiration for me, because jotting something down leads to something else and before I know it I'm I've written a few things again and again of course 
um, forcing myself out of the house to, to actually do some writing. And, and not procrastinate because I'm the world, one of the world's biggest procrastinators. I really am. <laughs> you travel a fair bit though, too, hey? I, I, tr- I find a lot of inspiration in traveling. Yeah, um, um, and especially these last three years, I've traveled a lot. And, uh, and I've had, uh, um, had the privilege of talking to a lot of people in a lot of diff- different cultures and uh, backgrounds, that type of thing. You wanna? There you, you just get, we've got someone at the table here, the sales table here. So we'll take a, just a w- quick break. So Ron, we were talking about obstacles. Um, I'm wondering about obstacles to getting published. Have you encountered any any barriers, and how did you get around those? I I found um, it really frustrating um, sending um, manuscripts out and basically not hearing anything um or a lot of well I, I guess i guess with with most writers the the thank you but no thank you um little form letters that everyone gets um and what i did was i ended up going to a place my for my first novel a place called freezing press uh that's here in victoria uh and they self-publish so um I thought, well, I'll, I, I'll go that route because I thought I really would like this published, but no one seems interested in it. Maybe this is be a way for me to um, get around that or get it published anyway. And um, um, and, and so I, I, I did through actually great expense. <laughs> I don't mind saying um, and uh, but I, I got it published, and um, through that I, I it really I really had to hustle um, to get it into bricks and bricks and mortar bookstores. Um, I got into a writers group, and uh, there was um, uh, they would put on readings, and it was through the readings that I actually started. Uh, kind of people started getting interested in what I was doing so um, in, in the books themselves so um, and I remember at one point my sister Jessie um, was involved with uh, Philip Press uh, with an anthology and they were holding a, me- uh, a reading and I went to hers and uh, um, yeah and uh, the, the journey's been incredible since then Right, so that's when you came to be a part of the pub, uh, Philadelph Publishing family. Yes, exactly. And then uh, Philadelph did um, Lost History for you, and yeah. then Just Outside of Hope, yeah. or the other way around. Yeah. Uh, Just Outside of Hope, Lost History, and uh, the anthology. And then there was that. Yeah. yeah. And then there was the uh, Valentine Anthology, and you yeah. were also in Blood Moon Rising Anthology yes. as well. absolutely. Through Philadelph Publishing, yeah. And uh, so... Uh, that was an independent p- publisher picking you up. Based on uh, uh, connections, <laughs> right? Yeah, connections. Yeah. And so I, I find it's re- really important that uh, that's, that's the key to getting out there. And um, it was through those going to readings after reading after reading after reading that people s- would see the book and they, then they'd say, oh, I, I think I saw that at another reading or I saw that book. And, and eventually they start picking it up and yeah so so yeah it, it requires constant 
exposing yourself, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, I know <laughs> it's kind of a well, it's almost like well, standing naked in front of the world. It's it's almost like that. You, you, but you've got to do it so so people can see you and and know your work and and hear you reading and it's so. that face-to-face connection isn't yes. it with with it, your audience exactly yeah. yeah and it it is um it is a little nerve-wracking at times and definitely like it standing can be naked in front of the group yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah because you are standing up there reading something well your baby you have something you've writ- written and it's almost it's almost like uh, you, you get, you almost kind of feel what it's like to be a stripper. <laughs> you know? Which do you find more difficult, talking about yourself and your work or reading your work? Uh, talking about myself and my yeah, work. Most of us do. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. It's easier to read the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that that kind of a, a scenario of a author reading, which uh, Philodeth does, their uh, Double Dog Dares, author, yep. writers, uh, open mics, those are um, a good practice round for it. But it, but uh, standing at a sales table like this and and talking to people as they walk by is uh, still still takes some good old salesmanship. That's it's hard to sell yourself as a product. Yes, yeah. But you're not. You're selling this these awesome books. Oh, so thank you. There yeah. you go. Well, I, I find that um, majority of people um, have been very open to like um, listening to what I have to say about the books and their. Uh, origins and what they're about and uh, and then they start telling me their life story <laughs> a couple of have uh, about what they're interested in and uh, that type of thing so so what was um, um, mentoring sharing our journeys like for you that was um, I, I have a, a, a little bit of idea of what you must go through putting a, putting an anthology together because uh, um, I, I found that I had to uh, be constantly on top of things. I'd be constantly um, uh, cognizant of the fact, and I'd have to constantly remind everybody: okay, we've got deadlines, and we've got you know th- this deadline's coming up. And it, and and it's funny because the first person who responded to my call out was the last person to actually <laughs> put in their their um, their submission. Their submission. Yeah. And, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, it was gratifying at the end. It was really gratifying because uh, these folks were writing from their heart and from their experience and, um, uh, and what they were doing and reading their stories and editing them. I, I, I just found amazing some of the experiences that people have had. And um, so it was very gratifying for me to, to be reading who they were and where they come, came from and um, where they are now and where they hope to be. So tell us a little bit about how that collection came together. It was really strange. I had just come back from Europe, and um, the, the the fellow, um, uh, his name was uh, Neil Ferniehoe. He was the one that ended up getting the funding to put something like this together. Um, and his idea was uh, queer elders telling their stories and the even though it was for a general audience the target audience was youth what it was like for us when we were their age and queer and um and some of the experiences that we had and so i get this phone call from him right out of the blue saying hey ron it's now i got i got this da 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 would you be interested in editing this 
you know, and I said yes, even though I had no experience editing an actual anthology. I thought this would be great. This is something new I can try, and and we'll see how it how I it fits and how I fit and everything. And um, part of my job was going to find people who would be interested in in contributing. Now, luckily at the time. Uh, I had been a member of an organization called Quirky, which was an acronym, uh, and I forget what it stands for now, but it was basically a bunch of queer elders who were, who were into the creative arts. Um, some of them were writers, some were actors, dancers, singers, and um, so I, I just tapped into that source, and, um, and it was great because um, we had a whole... Um, uh, bunch of people uh, who answered that call uh, from from a variety of different backgrounds and uh, 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 an elder uh, a queer elder who was trans for example uh, who was a, a school teacher in um, England where, and was married and uh, had kids and but really said that uh, I just feel more comfortable being a woman so there's some amazing stories in that yeah. collection. Yeah. So and the and the proceeds went to uh, Alexandra House. Alexandra House the charity. So that we do the Philadelphia does that with our anthologies as well. The, the um, proceeds go to a charity. Yeah. It's a it's a really nice uh, collaborative effort. And yeah. Good good for the uh, authors to have extra exposure. Yeah. And people um, reading their stuff and wanting more. Um, so you're working on. Your teddy bear book. Yeah, that has that's that's been ready to go for a while now. It's just a matter of uh, bringing it out of uh, PDF form and actually getting it printed. Uh, mm-hmm. The illustrations are done, um, and uh, the story's all written. And uh, so, um, so yeah, it's just a matter of uh, teaming up with my co-author, and uh, she also illustrated the book. And let's like let's get this happening. So, so and the title is. Uh, that's what teddy bears do, and it's a children's, children's picture book. book. Children's picture book, yes. And that you were going to do the, the pro, some of the proceeds to a charity with that one as well. Yes, right? uh, a, a charity that that would give a, a hand up to families in need. Yeah, looks like you got some more people wanting to buy books here, so okay, uh, we'll take a break. Okay, thank you. So we're back, and uh, what you're working on the third in the series? Yes. Um, so we have Road Without End, Just Outside of Hope. Yes. And what's and the third one? third one is um, Last Chance Town. It's, uh, I, I tried uh, a number of different titles on that one. Uh, Love is a Crazy-Ass Business and um, Freedom at Point Mile Zero. And, uh, but uh, this one, sort of Last Chance Town, for me, fit more in with the road theme throughout this whole trilogy. Right. So um, it's um, the, fir- the first uh, Road Without End starts in 1979, ends in 1980. Just Outside of Hope picks up in 1980 and goes, ends in 1983. This starts, uh, the new book starts in 1988 and ends in 1990. And uh, with the uh, gay games in Vancouver in 1990. So we've got gay liberation, the disco era in 1979. All the way through the 80s and ending with the gay games in Vancouver, which was a huge event and which the International Olympic Committee, com- committee 
recognized some of the records that were broken. At this. So it's kind of like the, like I well, says the the kind of the history of Canadian LGBTQ community, um, and uh, just in that twelve year span, ten or eleven year span, I should I say. And that's the backdrop to the that's, novels. The, the that's novels the backdrop to the themselves novels. Themselves yeah. are about specific characters. Yeah, about specific characters. And are those people that you knew, or, or a uh, collection of people together? Well, if they're a collection of people together. The the very first story of the first because no- each novel is actually two novellas that make one that are connected and make one story, one novel. Right. And so the first story in the first novel is is actually autobiographical. So uh, that's the closest I get to to my life. The rest is all. Yeah, um, an amalgam of people I've known, um, and uh, and some of the characters have just basically fallen out of the sky. So it was uh, like in this new art, of, this new novel I'm writing. One of the characters named Tony literally put himself on the page, uh, just like that. Bang! I'm Tony Wells. Bang! This is who I am. Boom! This is what I'm like. And you are going to like it and if you don't like it I don't care <laughs> it's this whole attitude so so that was I, I love it when things like that happen when you when I write when the page writes itself yeah basically kind of when thing. the story yeah. writes itself that's, yeah 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 I, I like those moments too yeah so that's uh, you're going to be done that sometime soon I'm hoping spring it should be I'm hoping spring it'll be done yeah There's some so. there were some delays and barriers to that one and what happened was i i started writing the first draft to this third novel four or five years ago and what happened was i got halfway through the first draft and my partner of 30 years passed away <clears throat> he uh ca- he developed uh, pancreatic cancer and uh was gone in two and a half weeks from the time he was diagnosed to the morning he died. We're so sorry and for your loss, well, Ron. Thank you. And so I didn't write for the following two years. I just didn't. I just put it aside and that was it. And when I went back and wrote, read what I had wrote, it was one of those things where I'm not there anymore. That's not me anymore. My life has changed so much and... So basically, it was required a whole rewrite, total rewrite, and uh, um, so, so yeah. So I've gotten, I've gotten back into that groove, and so now things are, are, are really happening. I'm, I feel confident it'll be ready to publish springtime. So. Good, glad to hear it. Um, so sometimes life gets in your way, and it makes it difficult to write. It does, but yeah. always. Did you find even in that time you were writing it wasn't this book, but you were writing other stuff and and um, that part of you needed to be expressed anyway? Um, yeah, I was keeping journals. I, 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 I kept uh, and to me, uh, um, you were asking earlier about tips uh, for writers. Keep a journal, really, it, it, because I found that keeping a journal, even though I didn't feel like going back to my novel all the time that. Um, um, I was in the grieving process. Keeping that journal kept me writing, and um, so even if it's just a little bit every day, um, and I and I've kept those journals. And um, it's interesting to read 
go back and read what, what was going on with my life and um, even um, well it, it just it, 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 it creates the discipline to uh, always write something to always write something yeah. and, and then of course that that becomes second nature and you just do it automatically so so yeah I, that was that's really helped me through the writing process of journaling I found uh, my father passed away this last May mm. and I found that I couldn't write or work on my novel I just I, my head was just not there mm. but I wrote an amazing amount of poetry mm. some of it pretty crappy but I was writing yeah and sometimes um, well, with me, super emotionalness comes out yeah. in poetry for some odd reason. Yeah. And so that was, but always to keep writing. And then when um, I got sort of past that and was able to look at my novel again, that was that was okay. Yeah. Nice thing about journaling too is you can go back and even poetry, you can go back and pick little things out and go, okay, that'll fit, that'll fit in the novel. That'll fit in the novel. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That'll fit. Yeah. That actually wasn't too bad. Hmm, maybe I'll use that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, well, my third novel will be published. Um, and, um, <laughs> you know, I, I had an art teacher once who said to me um, that old saying, um, go big or go home. And, um, and I would really, to me, the, this whole trilogy would really be super successful if it became a Netflix um, miniseries. Oh, cool! The, and that is how I—that's kind of how I set it up when I look at it. You know, when you each different character telling their own different story in their own story, um, yeah. in different backdrops, different circumstances, and some of it dramatic, some yeah. of it mundane, and. And the, the 80s uh, social connected stuff, uh, all the, the uh, song titles that you quote in places and that kind of thing yeah. would uh, pull in the old fart audience like us, eh? <laughs> 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 so there you go. Anybody out there that's uh, got some bucks and wants to do some Netflix movies or episodic things for Netflix, uh, Ron's uh, available. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where can we find you? Um, I, I am on Facebook, uh, Ron Kearson. Um, it's, it's very important you say Ron Kearson because my father is also on there and he's Ronald Kearson. Ah, so and Kearson is spelled K-E-A-R-S-E? Yes. Yeah. And so it'll be Ron Kearson on Facebook. I, um, I'm also just newly on Instagram. What's so the Instagram? Is Kierce Ron. <laughs> and do you have Twitter still? Or I, I, I actually got rid of Twitter because I found it too toxic. <laughs> but maybe I'll bring it back. <laughs> so search for him. Oh, we're going to put the link. <laughs> My technical advisor tells me we are going to put the links in the show description for the okay, cool. for those things. Okay, cool. And you have also ronkierce.com. Um, yeah, it's my website. Yeah. Yeah. My okay, there we go. Okay, so any last words of advice and wisdom for... A lot of people have said to me um, when they found out I've been published, you know, I, I, I wish I could write, but who would be interested in what I have to say? 
And I always say to them, you'd be pleasantly surprised because people love stories. And if you have lived a life and you've had experiences, you're qualified to write. You're qualified to do a novel, short story, what, a graphic novel, whatever you like. You're qualified. So Absolutely. Keep writing. Just sit down and do it. Yep. And keep uh, if you get a chance to submit writing yes. anywhere to any contests or absolutely or calls for writing, do it. And take but they, the worst they can say is no. Yeah, like do it and keep going because someone will say yes eventually. Mm-hmm. Someone will say yes. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> and here we are today showing. Yeah, so someone said yes, and we have piles of books here. Absolutely, lineups <laughs> of people to buy them. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Ron. Thanks for being with Thank us. Thank you so. And that was Ron Kearse, author. You can find Ron's details in the description of this episode. Thanks to Indigo Mayfair for the space to do our interview. A nod to our sponsor, Philip Publishing. And a shout out to our podcast production team at Ponies Tech Corral. Special thanks to you, our amazing listeners. Keep sharing, listening, and commenting. If you have someone who inspires you, let us know at zoe at don'tsaymaybe.com. That's Z-O-E at don't say maybe, no apostrophe, dot com. And we'll ask them to chat with us in future episodes. Until next time, this is Zoe Duff and don't say maybe.